0: Marshall show this is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall for the next half hour and then as promised we will be joined by our other guest host for today who you heard Friday Igor Volsky uh, who is the deputy deputy director. For the Center for American Progress Action Fund. In the meantime, as promised as well, I am joined by D.D. Guttenplan, the editor at large uh, at The Nation, who has been covering the presidential campaign for the magazine since this past August. Uh, his most recent book is The Nation, a Biography, published in April of 2015, so just a year ago. He is also the author of American Radical, The Life and Times of I.F. Stone. Both are available at Amazon.com. I understand you like to be called Don, so Don, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks very much. Great to be here.
0: Thank you very much for joining us. I really enjoyed um, your article for The Nation, which I would encourage everyone to uh, check out. It's entitled, Bernie Sanders is Not Going to be President of the United States... He should keep running anyway. So uh, playing off that title, uh, why don't you tell us uh, why you think he should keep running?
1: Okay, so I don't have to tell you why he's not going to be president of the United States. You're already convinced of that. Uh,
0: you know, I, 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 as I've said on this show, uh, I am a Senator Sanders supporter. I voted for him uh, in the New York primary where I live. I, I volunteered for him. Um, we've had him on this show before. I, I would have loved to have seen him uh... become the democratic candidate and uh... the president but i think uh... i'm also a realist uh... looking at the math it just does not add up in these upcoming close primaries of course anything could happen but um, i think at this point being realistic it looks like it's going to be uh... hillary clinton so i am with you on that well,
1: hey, i just i just want to make sure we we're on the same page here. Now, look the nation magazine endorsed senator sanders uh... i've been voting for him since nineteen ninety two because i vote in vermont and this year was no exception. It was a great pleasure to cast that vote. Um, but why do I think he should keep running? And I suppose the, the corollary of that, unspoken but obvious, is why do I think people should still keep voting for him, which may be a more important question. And there there are really two answers. One is because uh, every vote for Senator Sanders is a a vote against the establishment way of doing politics. It's against the way that our political system has come to be dominated, and I would argue corrupted by money. Uh, And it's a vote in favor of a different kind of politics and a different vision of our country and its place in the world, which uh, means a country that is less obsessed with regime change and more devoted to ensuring health care for every one of its citizens. Um, So, you know, for all the reasons that he's been running, Uh, those are still reasons he needs to keep running, because that argument isn't over. And although intellectually I would argue that he's been winning that argument all along, um, the more people who vote for him, the more force that argument has, and the more likely it is to have a long-term impact on our politics. But there is also another reason, because as crucially important in the life of our democracy as the the great states of Iowa, where uh, Senator Sanders lost narrowly to Hillary Clinton, and New Hampshire, the state where he uh, comprehensively defeated her, are, it's, it would be hard to claim with a straight face that either of those states are as important uh, in terms of the weight that their voters ought to have in our political process as the votes of, for example, Pennsylvania or California. Now, Pennsylvania's going to vote tomorrow, and if Senator Sanders could, uh, suspended his campaign, then there would be no chance for the voters in that state to register their agreement or disagreement with his positions, particularly where they differ from Hillary Clinton's political positions. And likewise, and I would argue even more importantly in the state of California, where I expect Senator Sanders to do very well.
0: Now, uh, speaking to the previous uh, point you made about the issues, uh, I want to read a paragraph from your article, um, which people, again, can find at thenation.com, because I think it hits on exactly why so many people support the senator, and even if they didn't vote for him necessarily, why they support a lot of his ideas. Uh, quote, he can continue to inspire a movement and upend the pragmatic incrementalism that marks the limits of conventional politics. It also makes no sense to walk away in the middle of a debate that Sanders is winning on every issue from a $15 minimum wage to the disastrous legacy of pro corporate trade deals, to the need for massive reinvestment in our inner cities, to the rejection of a foreign policy founded on regime change. Workers who have seen their jobs shipped overseas, all those left behind by the Clinton era boom, as well as the millions who lost a home in the Bush recession or remain excluded from the skewed Obama recovery, they still need a voice and a champion in this election. So, Don, speaking uh, to that point, um, I wanted you to expand on that and talk about you know him winning on these issues because i think you know like you're bringing up you know even if you saw the movement by hillary clinton in the new york debate on the fifteen dollar minimum wage for instance i think there's plenty of proof of that
1: well, There's plenty of plenty of proof of that and there's plenty of room for hillary still to move but she, she's shown that she doesn't move without pressure and you know a vote for bernie sanders is the best way to press her to move towards his position on those issues uh, and there are other issues which I didn't mention, but are worth noting. For example, um, just this, just recently, uh, Julian uh, Castro, the, uh, the housing secretary, uh, has been criticized for selling off uh, delinquent mortgages to banks and private equity firms uh, by Raúl well, Grijalva of Arizona, who's a Sanders backer. And I think that's a really interesting issue because, for one thing, we haven't seen it surface in the debate. It hasn't been mentioned in the back and forth between Sanders and Clinton, and yet it's an issue that's going to resonate with a lot of people. And my guess is it's an issue that if it becomes salient, it's going to mean that Castro is not going to be nominated to be vice, vice president because uh, the more people who care about that issue, the more people who are going to resent somebody who's already closely tied with Wall Street Uh, putting on her ticket, the person who's selling off poor people's houses to banks.
0: Absolutely. um... So
1: I think in in all of these issues, there's plenty of room for further pressure and plenty of need for further pressure, although, you know, maybe this is what we should talk about next. Um, There is the question of of strategy and how both Sanders and his supporters uh, go forward when he's no longer credibly running to be the nominee or credibly running for president so he's obviously running for other reasons you know i've argued that there's other reasons are valid but then what should his immediate objectives should be what should they hope to get at philadelphia at the convention and beyond what should happen to his organization those are all i think very much live open and interesting questions
0: It's funny, Don, because it was almost it was literally my next question, because I think the way that your piece is written, it flows very well into that point, which is I think you can look for those things if all goes well to be negotiated at the convention. You know, I'm someone who has also said that I will be happily uh, casting a vote for Hillary Clinton if she is the nominee. I will put my money where my mouth is. I will campaign for her. I will door-to-door canvas because I think the ideas that I believe in and that Bernie Sanders believe in have a whole hell of a lot of a better chance to be, you know, represented in a Hillary Clinton administration than obviously anybody on the right even if somehow it was like a John Kasich or a Paul Ryan, let's not even name the other two Looney Tunes that we know, you know, wouldn't represent those ideas. <laughs> um, he who must not be named and
1: who, who cannot be about <laughs> Exactly,
0: but I think that's the thing. that Some people I think, uh, there's the misconception that you know, this whole Bernie or B meme thing which i think honestly doesn't represent you know many in in the movement um people i think are are smart enough to understand that these ideas have a much better chance of coming to fruition if senator sanders and his supporters work with um secretary clinton and her supporters to form a coalition and it could be a very strong for a uh, coalition if formed properly just like you said um, secretary clinton has moved uh to the to the left on many of issues where the american people have already gone in that direction and like you said when the pressure has been put on her she has then championed those ideas so uh let's let's go to the nuts and bolts what are some uh reasonable things that you think could be achieved by senator sanders winning some more votes and uh successfully negotiating some positions at the convention sure well
1: before that i just want to say something which is um I think the Bernie or Bust people fundamentally misunderstand the nature of politics. Because sure, it would be very satisfying if Bernie became president, and it was what it was the the outcome that I hoped for, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners hoped for. Um, but it's also worth bearing in mind that if you're trying to go, let's say, from I don't know, L.A. to uh, New York City you have a better chance of of getting to new york city if you manage to find somebody who's already going to pittsburgh than if you, if you go if you than if you try to get a ride to somebody who's only going as far as las vegas and so you know it's it's always easier to pressure liberals to move a little further to the left or even a lot further to the left than it is to organize an opposition that's going to force a right winger out of power and then move the center of discourse to the to the left. Because every time we've seen, what happens is that when Republicans get into office, the center of discourse, the sort of window of political possibility, shifts to the right. We need to shift the window to the left and then keep pushing for policies that go further to the left. And I think that's a lot easier. That's certainly going to be a lot easier under a Clinton administration than any of the Republican administrations that are possible currently, and so you know I think that's a reasonable argument. On the other hand, I also think that uh, that a lot of the responsibility for, in fact, almost all the responsibility for knitting the party, the Democratic Party, together and for getting the Sanders voters behind Hillary Clinton has to fall on Hillary Clinton. It must be said that she hasn't run a particularly Sanders-friendly campaign. I mean, her campaign has basically been about adopting his positions when they've seemed popular, but delegitimizing his voters, you know, talking about Sanders voters as being overwhelmingly white, talking about the states he wins as being overwhelmingly white. So... You know part of that is to deny people permission to feel that it's okay to vote for, for for Bernie Sanders and I think when I have written in the nation that it's time for a pivot in tone and that it's time for for Sanders to consider making fewer personal attacks on on Secretary Clinton, I think it it should go without saying but I need to, but perhaps I need to say it, but that also and perhaps prior to that, has to involve the Clinton campaign changing its tone of essentially contemptuous patronization towards Sanders and his supporters. So if you assume that that's possible, then the question is, what should Sanders and his supporters be
0: for. I want to I want to do a cliffhanger here, Don. We're going to talk about that after the break. I know people hate that in radio, but that's what we're going to do. We're going to come back from the break and Don's going to tell us uh, about what are some realistic uh, goals that the Sanders campaign and his supporters should push for at the convention. We're also going to talk to uh, about what would a pivot by Secretary Clinton uh, towards the Sanders supporters look like, what would be effective and seem genuine. Uh, we're going to talk about those issues after this break. Again, I'm joined by D.D. Guttenplan, the editor at large at The Nation, who has been covering the presidential Campaign for the magazine since August. If you'd like to follow him on Twitter, it's at DDGUTTENPLAN. That's at DDGUTTENPLAN. Follow The Nation at The Nation and check out his work and the rest of the great writers at The Nation. Uh, just go to TheNation.com. This is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall. I will be right back with you along with DD Gutton Plan straight after this break.
1: You're listening to The Leslie Marshall Show. Truth for all sides of the spectrum. 888 6 Leslie.
0: Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Ramaldi in for Leslie Marshall. I'm with you uh, for about another 10 minutes then. As promised, we'll be joined by Igor Volsky, who will be guest hosting from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern for Leslie. He is with Think Progress. But in the meantime, uh, we're rejoined by DD Guttenplan uh, from thenation.com. We're speaking about. An article he wrote for The Nation entitled, Bernie Sanders is not going to be president of the United States. He should keep running anyway. Back to uh, what we were discussing, uh, Don. Let's go with what are some realistic goals that the Sanders uh, campaign and his supporters uh, should be pushing for at the convention in your mind at this point. Obviously, things could change uh, you know, from day to day, but at this point.
1: Well, I, I suppose I want to begin by quarreling slightly with the word "realistic goals" because I think um,
0: that's a very good you know, point. Actually,
1: I think it's you know it's it's not our it's not our job to decide in advance what's realistic, and it's certainly not the job of the pundits, even though they love doing that saying This is realistic. This is crazy. I mean, the fifteen dollars minimum wage. You'll recall was not a realistic goal a year no, ago.
0: no, President Obama and, you know, like had a lot of flag well for even tight. talking about ten ten. The president got flag, you know, talking about federal ten ten. So that's a very good point.
1: So you know, these things can change very quickly. Public opinion, particularly mobilized, organized public opinion, can change what looks realistic uh, very fast. And I think it's important for people to remember that. But having said that, there are two different kinds of. Uh, goals that the Sanders people can push for at the convention. And I don't, I mean, I'll give you my sense, but I, you, you know, you may have a different sense of which are more important. There are, there are platform planks. So a platform plank calling for a $15 national minimum wage. A platform plank calling for a ban on fracking. A platform plank calling for, uh, you know, overturning Citizens United. A platform plank calling for, uh, the United States to, what, pull its troops out of some of the places it has its troops. A platform plank calling for uh, free, uh, free college education at public colleges and universities. Those are all platform planks uh, that have been part of the Sanders campaign all along, and I would argue that they're all eminently realistic. Um, but it's also true that platform planks are pretty worthless. So, you know, of course they should ask for them. And, of course, they should get some of them, and they're going to need to get some of them in order for people to feel who supported Sanders to feel that they should get up and bother to vote on Election Day. But in the long term, it's not going to make that much difference whether something's in the platform or not. If Hillary Clinton doesn't want to do it as president, she won't. So there's no point getting anything in a platform that you're not prepared to make her do as president by staying organized and staying on her. Um, Then there are procedural planks. And those are things like, for example, getting rid of superdelegates, uh, which is a big ask that might be deliverable if, if that's what they really want. My guess is that the, the Sanders people could get that, but it may not be what they really want. I mean, it's... You can make an argument either way on superdelegates. Of course, they were, they, were, they were inconvenient to Sanders, and the media played them, as in Hillary's pocket from the beginning, and that was annoying for Sanders supporters. But you could also argue that without them or some form of ballast in the party, uh, it's more difficult to arrive at a nominee who's going to have the unified backing of the party. So, it's not clear to me that there's a left-right case to be made on superdelegates, but there are plenty of people in the Sanders campaign who probably disagree and feel that it's fundamentally important to get rid of them, and certainly it's something that's up for discussion. Um, it's, it's certainly realistic to ask for a ban on super PAC money in primaries. Um, you know, that was something that Hillary Clinton said she was going to observe but didn't exactly stick to, uh, and it would be great to have the party ban it. Um, there are, you could, you could have things about same day registration, because parties control the registration process. So you could have same day registration. You could, you could call for open primaries. All of these procedural things. And although the procedural things are unexciting, you know, nobody's going to go home saying, uh, we fought and won for this, as opposed to we fought and won for free college or universal health care. Uh, in the long run, the things that open up the party. May have a, a greater impact on how far left the party's prepared to go, and the obvious example for that was the McGovern changes in '68 that opened up the party to the point that McGovern himself was able to win the nomination in '72. Uh, and of course, it's in, a, in partly a backlash to that that we have super delegates now to keep that from happening again. Um, but there are. Procedural changes, I think, are hugely important, uh, and the Sanders campaign needs to figure out which ones they really care about and then make a case for why those are the ones that matter. But there's also another part of this which I think is, is as important or perhaps more important than anything that happens in Philadelphia, and that's the extent to which the Sanders campaign becomes, lends itself to, helps to knit together, is part of a conversation for continuing a movement campaign. Because, and it's the platform that sort of makes this point for me. If you look at Democratic Party platform, it had a civil rights plank in 1948. And in 1948, that was a pretty important plank in the sense that it prompted Strom Thurmond and the Dixiecrats to leave the party. Uh, it was uh, considered such a disadvantage in the election that Truman was expected to lose. But apart from desegregating the army, which was a big step for Truman, um, It didn't really make any difference to anybody's politics. And, you know, desegregation and civil rights didn't happen until African Americans got organized, took to the streets, boycotted buses, and demanded it. And so I would argue that any major change is not going to be accomplished by putting it in a party platform. It's only going to be brought about by continued campaigning and continued organizing. And uh, the Sanders people have... Essentially, what the whole campaign has done is it has revealed to the American left something we never suspected, which is we are a lot stronger than anybody thought we were. There are a lot more of us than anybody thought there was. You know, this is someone who has raised more money than Hillary Clinton. And carry, and that's the reason he's still in the race, because he can keep raising money. I mean, normally a candidate who no longer has a realistic chance of grasping the nomination stops being able to raise money and is forced to drop out because of that. Sanders is still in, is able to keep going to the convention and keep pushing for the issues he thinks are important. And if we think those issues are still important, then we have to keep our eyes both inside the party but also outside the party on making sure that there's an organized constituency to press for the things that we care about to push the Democratic Party and whoever the nominee is.
0: D.D., great points there. I'm sorry we are out of time. That is D.D. Guttenplan, the editor-at-large at at The Nation. Please check out his piece at thenation.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at D.D. Guttenplan. This has been Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall.